career sucks. Sex just isn't the same. What's my purpose? Where did this fat come from? Divorce is killing me. I'll never be happy. My debt is piling up. Kids are gone. Now what? I'll never find love. Why can't I be like the other guys? Hey guys, gay, straight, and everything in between. It's time to get a grip. Stop whining, make a bold move, and do something amazing with your 40 plus life. Let's get to the show with your Tell It Like It Is host, Rick Clemens, who does his best to never act like a dick, unless you act like one first. Hey guys, it is time once again for 40 plus Real Men Real Talk. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, and this is the place where guys come to talk about the real stuff, the stuff we don't talk about, and sometimes we even delve into those scary places of those fears that we have. In fact, one of the things I know I love to do the most on this podcast is to help you dump your excuses, explore your fears, and start living an unapologetic life as a guy who is 40 plus. In fact, if you want to go do more of that, go over to noexcusesnofears.com to do the unapologetic life assessment. Now let's dive into the show. So what happens when you suddenly find yourself caught in that, uh, too bad, you got that too bad syndrome going on, or wow, what I could have done or what I could have chose to do. And it's kind of the life regrets things that set in. And then suddenly you realize, wait, I didn't have to do that when I was 20. I didn't have to do it when I was in college. I can still do that now. And today we're talking to a friend of mine who I met through National Speakers Association, Josh Packard, and we kind of connected on this. I think to some degree when we first met, we talked about his book and stuff about faith and stuff like that. But today we want to dive into how do we dump this uh, too bad syndrome and just go do that thing. So Josh, welcome to the podcast, man. Glad you are joining me again, bro. Hey, Rick. I'm so really glad to be here. I'm glad. Thanks for for claiming me as a friend and for, for uh, thinking of me to be a guest. I appreciate it. Well, of course, man. And, you know, I love reaching out to people that I've ran into over the years and going, okay, guys, <laughs> do you have what it takes to come <laughs> on something like this and go, we're going to have some real conversation. It's going to be about raw, real stuff. And I love that you brought this idea up about the guys you see surrounding you that are in their 40s or older. They're kind of doing some stuff and you're like, they didn't have to say, ah, uh, someday. They kind of did, but they're actually starting yeah. to do this stuff now. So what inspired you with that thought? When I reached out to you and said, let's do something, you came back with that. What was the real thinking behind you? Well, I, so um, for me, it was really just looking around at, you know, when, when, when you sent out the invitation, I was like, well, who, you know, who else do I know who's over 40? What other guys do I know over 40? And what are they doing? And my wife and I have been having this conversation actually for a while about how amazed we are that we find ourselves in this position. Mm-hmm. Because uh, as, as a little bit of a backstory here, when I was 22 or 23, I went to get a PhD. Um, uh, I, got, I have a PhD in sociology. I'm a professor now. And um, so, you know, by, some, by, by my most accounts, like that worked out. Like that was yep. a wild success. I got one of these tenure track jobs. I got tenure as a professor. That's what we're supposed to do. And uh, and that was great, but I knew at the time, and, and it is great, but I knew at the time that I was choosing between, for the first time probably in my life, and at an age that I felt was very young, I was choosing between a life that I could have and a life that I was going to have. And it felt like the first time I was closing a door. And while all of my other friends were off trying crazy new business ideas or you know, backpacking traumatize us to make it sound like I was you know, that I was becoming a monk or something like mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no excitement in my life but but I was picking something at 22 that was going to be for the next six to seven years to get this this PhD well I mean 
you know, maybe when you're 46 years, doesn't sound like a whole lot, but I remember at 22 being terrified at the notion of six years and, and what yep. it meant giving up. <laughs> I mean, you remember that? Like six mm-hmm. years earlier, I was like, like just getting a handle around driving. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, anyway. So I thought that those, those like, those like innovative startup, um, you know, anything's possible days were sort of over. And, mm. uh, and I had, I, I had picked my anything start, like anything was my, anything was a PhD. And so, um, it wasn't a bad thing. I just thought it was done. And, and lo and behold, as I got closer to 40, I started looking around and it, and it turns out like all of the people in my life that, that I'm most drawn to, but just generally all the people, like they were all doing really interesting things and they were all starting them from scratch. Um, either through major career transitions, occasionally through layoffs, but sometimes just because they've been entrepreneurs their whole life and have finally accumulated enough wisdom and skills to be able to do something that's actually impactful. You know, and I think part of this is happening because right now in the world that we are in, I know for me in the last 10 years, it seems like, and you especially being at the university level and doing some of the stuff you do, when you hear entrepreneur, there's almost a default to, oh, they're 20 somethings. It's Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg is the only entrepreneur on earth. (laughs) Exactly. And so I don't fit that mold. I don't look like him. I got less hair. He's getting there. But, you know, it's that whole thing of... And then as I started exploring this whole thing of doing this podcast, number one, I started really, truly seeing there's a lot of people that are 40 years old and older that, again, as you said, either due to they've accumulated some wisdom and some wealth and they're like, okay, I can exit or because of a layoff, they're like, what's next? Or they're just like, I'm going to go do something on the side that really makes me happy. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a 20 something to go make this stuff happen now. And I was so like, I, I, I told people when I, when I wrote my last book, I said, I, I wrote this because I really just wanted to keep up with the people in my coffee shop. So this is mm-hmm. like a testament to the value of community. Like I felt like right. everybody around me was writing a book. Yep. I was like, well, shoot, I better write a book. Exactly. Um, and, and I've always taken that approach uh, at the university too, where I felt like, you know, my job here is, I, I intentionally picked a job that was more of a platform than, mm-hmm. than like punching a time clock. And so when I looked around, like, well, what am I going to do with this platform? Like I got tenure, I have some, and everybody, you know, I think a lot of people have some version of tenure. So like I yep. actually can't be fired unless I do something grossly unethical. Right. 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 But most people in this country, many people, not most, most is an overstatement. Many people in this country also have jobs like that, even if they don't have technically tenure, Right. They've been there for so long. They know they're probably not going to get fired and, and they, they really could branch out. They're just, they're, they're waiting for the right impetus. And I think a big part of that is surrounding yourself with a community of people who are also taking similar challenges and risks and mm-hmm. starting things. And, you know, you'd be surprised. I mean, Rick, I don't know, I don't know how you got started in, in this speaking, consulting, coaching world, but I mean, starting a business like, you know, starting a podcast and a consulting business, what do you think that is? It's like 10 or $15,000. Well, yep. I mean, that's all, that's a decent amount of money. I'm not going to sit here and say it's nothing, but it's also not like, we're not talking about going to get like uh, angel investment no. rounds for no, you know, no. like startup funds. Well, and it's not like going and getting a PhD. It's like, you can actually yeah. do some of this stuff. And right. I always encourage my clients that I work with, mostly guys that are in some of these spaces, like, okay, quit putting up the roadblocks that really don't need to be put up. Most of you well, guys can do this. You're just... And the analogy is you got one foot stuck in the security 
right and what you know but that other foot is like itching out there going but i want to go i want to go i want to go and you got to yeah. just pull that back foot out of the quicksand but it doesn't mean you have to like risk everything i mean i'm so glad you brought right. up the like the piece of a podcast cuz honestly you could probably start a podcast literally <laughs> easily i was going to say <laughs> just about there you got to buy a microphone you got to get a domain you got to know how to edit a little bit of stuff i mean honestly i could probably launch somebody into a podcast for less than $500 easily oh, yeah. maybe even less than 250 bucks right but people get this wild stuff like okay now i got to go do this and i got to get this and Yes, if you want to make this something that really becomes something, yes, you're going to put some investment in it. You're going to put time. You're going to put effort. You're going to get a, sure. a nicely designed website. But if you just want to do this to kind of just go, okay, I'm doing this, it doesn't take a whole lot. Well, and, I, and so not to get too nerdy here, but as a sociologist, I mean, one of the things we find when we look at like, so there's a branch of sociology that's really interested in what, what counts as a career. Mm -hmm. right? and, and how people get started in careers um, and, and not just a job, but in like, a, you know, from here to there to the next place. Yep. And one of the really important things are, are these, one of the things that helps determine more, almost more than your education and certainly more than your family background, what determines how you get from where you are to where you want to be is the community that you surround yourself by. So a lot of what keeps people stuck, if we take this down to the individual level, a lot of what keeps people stuck, so to speak, with that one foot in a quicksand, like you said, yep. is because it's not because they're unwilling or because they don't have the $500 to start a podcast or whatever. It's because they're around the wrong people, exactly. right? They're around a whole bunch of other people who are Maybe some of them are negative thinkers and telling that they can't. But in my experience, it's they're just really around a, a bunch of people who aren't, you know, having these ideas and are not mm -hmm. necessarily super ambitious. So you have to cultivate that community and join, you know, groups and associations of people who you said, like we met at a, at a National Speakers Association conference, which I think that the technical parts of that conference are bananas to me, like mm -hmm. how to hold your hands on stage and where to walk, I think are absurd. <laughs> But I get energized every year when I go there because what you've got are 2,000 individual entrepreneurs who are all spending four days thinking about nothing other than how their business can be transformed in the next year. And yep. like I come out of that and I have a plethora of ideas and new connections mm -hmm. to people. Like it's not so much that that's the place I want to be as much as like those are the people I want to be yep. around. Yep. You know, and it's interesting that you bring that piece up because to me, that's if I were going to give somebody, here's the things I've learned. And actually I'm getting ready to write an article tomorrow um, about this, the 10 things I learned about coming out of the closet and starting a business. So there I go. I put these weird things together yeah. and people are like, Hmm, trust me, it, you'll get it when you read it. But um, it's, you need to have the right people around you. If for no other reason than your sanity, secondly, they're going to, you're going to learn things from them. Now what you learn may be really good. And what you learn may be like, but that doesn't fit for me. Fine. But go do that piece. You need the right. people around you. Secondly, yes, you need some money or you need something, but don't let that money or the safety net be the thing that holds you back. And third, you got to have some confidence. Those to me are the three things. Everything else you can start to bring in. You can learn anything you need to learn about running a business. You can learn anything you need about doing any of this stuff. But if you have the people and you have a realistic expectation about the money and you have some confidence, Trust me, you can go build anything. Now, you brought up, hey, Rick, I don't know how you got into this. I literally, in 2006, got laid off from my job. I was the third employee hired, and I was very vested in this small startup. 
And I don't mean vested, quote, financially. I was vested yeah. emotionally. You were I was, I was so invested with this group. And as been the pattern, suddenly there were some new people brought on and I wasn't getting put into strategic stuff. And I'm like, you know, it's okay. I was, I was doing my thing. I literally came home from vacation, drove 90 minutes into work like I was used to doing when I wasn't on vacation, mm -hmm. walked in the door, talking to people, everything was good. My boss said, hey, you got him in? I'm like, sure. She goes, why don't you come down here and talk to Gary? And I, Gary was the president of the company. Five minutes later, I was out the door. Yeah, it's a disruptive experience, isn't it? Very disruptive. And of course, the first thing I started thinking was, how am I going to survive? What am I going to do? It wasn't like I didn't have money. I mean, I was doing good. There was a decent severance package that I got out of it. There was about six months worth of money coming yeah. in. Um, I had some stock, but they hadn't gone. It wasn't going anywhere yet. But I'm like, okay, I can make this happen. And it was in that moment, now that I look back because I can talk from that perspective now. Yeah. I had to make the big decisions. I had to think about what is it I really need versus what is it I desire? What is it I want to do? Because this was the second time. So this was the second time in six years that I'd gotten laid off. Six years ago, prior to that, mm. I got laid off from a big technology company and then found this one, took a huge cut in pay, but there was such an upside to it. And then literally five and a half, six years later, this happened again. Yeah. And that's when I listened to my intuition and I said, you're going to go do your own thing and you are never, never, ever going to do work for somebody else. Well, never, ever going to work for somebody else again. Yes, I work for a lot of people. <laughs> and the lessons that I learned from that, which just came full circle in the last, really last three months on a speech I just gave was every excuse we make only fans the flames of our fear. Every fear we have only allows us to make more excuses. And fears are only as alive as we give them life. Yeah. And now that I can sit in that space and each time, even when it's like, okay, I need some more clients or wow, I'm getting ready to do a speech or wow, this podcast is coming up. I look into those fears and excuses, which has become a lot of my brand at this point, And I go, how come am I letting those fears and excuses own me <laughs> when anything I want to do, I can really go do. Right. And I think that's what you're seeing when you're saying you're observing people going out and doing these sort of things and making that switch and that change. And it does not mean you're a 20 something millennial, just get, you know, whatever. And Gen Z's now <laughs> well, they're just, coming on the scene and, right. you know, it's so interesting to watch it all come together. Well, and, and the idea that you have, like, I think we get sold such a, a really, our culture sells us a very narrow uh, definition of, of what it means to start something or pivot yeah. to something that, you know, it doesn't mean you have to stay up all night coding things. Like mm -hmm. I, I have friends who are 40 and 42, 43 years old doing very analog kinds of things. Like one of them is transforming an old auto garage that has been our church for the last 10 years into also this incredible event space and artist and art gallery. Wow. And it's been like a labor of love, but you know, in order, like that's not a thing that immediately makes money. That's the thing that you have to build a client base around. So it's really mm -hmm. about building all these relationships, yep. right? Yep. Um, and I think, you know, part of, uh, for me, and another one who does, we've had on our own podcast, who, um, where we're chronicling his small business journey around starting um, a, a craft coffee shop. Like, why mm -hmm. would you start a craft coffee shop in an era of Starbucks? I don't know. Uh, but he loves it and he sees it as art and, and it's working and it's going well, but it's just such an interesting thing to be doing. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. The, 
and I think by, by hanging out around these people, what I've learned is that where somebody like uh, Steve Jobs or Zuckerberg or whatever, mm-hmm. or even just like the nameless people, even probably even the thing that you were involved in, you know, before, when you got fired, Rick mm-hmm. was like, these are like nameless, faceless things to me of like people who seem to have superpowers to me. Yeah. Like I was off yeah. reading books and people were doing things like that was amazing. I've, I don't understand how that works. Um, and, and by actually getting a chance to be around people who are starting things i realized like oh these are the people who are my house for dinner like Mm -hmm. i understand like they're they're having the same problems you know uh with their with their kids teachers that i'm having with my kids teacher and Mm -hmm. you know navigating the same you know parts of life with their parents aging etc 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 and so in that it gave me like oh right like i've got this i like started seeing opportunities and cracks in the structure that I could take advantage of that I don't think I would have otherwise seen if I hadn't been intentionally. Like I went to, I went to a bunch of people. I went to a community of people who were in, engaged in producing these like uh, um, one act plays and they would, they would workshop all these jokes and ideas. And they were right. like, you're not, you're not a writer or an actor. I'm like, I know, would you let me come and like right. be a part of like, just to hear your creative pro and, and like even, and just embedding myself in those things made me realize like, oh, adults do these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. You know, they clear out the decks on a Wednesday night and they yep. sit here and they write jokes. Yep. yep. <laughs> like some stuff for that for me was so like I, I can write a business plan on a Tuesday afternoon when I have a free couple of hours for something right. that may never see the light of day. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And And I think it's giving yourself that permission. I do a lot of talking about giving yourself permission to go do the thing you want to do. And it starts with permission. You don't need somebody Mm -hmm. else to give it to you. You don't need that approval. We all have kind of grown up in that world. And especially you as a sociologist, I know you see how people take that and they run with it. But as I've been launching this podcast, it was so interesting because this one happened really quickly. Yeah. The concept at least. Right. The getting it launched took a little bit longer because I was waiting for some technology <laughs> that I really wanted to co- coordinate so that now that I got m- multiple podcasts, I want to make sure I'm using one tool that I can do yeah. everything with. But I mean, literally from the concept of I'm going to do this to the first artwork and posting on social media that this is happening, it was less than two weeks. Hmm. And That's I was just great. like, okay, I'm doing this. Yeah. And I, it was one of the first times in a while I'm like, I'm doing this and I'm not looking back. And as I did it, I started realizing I was having conversations with people who are like, yeah, we just do this. This is what we do. And we don't look back. And I yeah. thought, this is what I need right now for where I am in my business. I'm doing this because I don't want to be looking back. Right. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I haven't really put a lot of effort and money into it. I think for this podcast, literally, because everything is sitting on the same platform as my existing one. I think I have spent maybe a couple hundred dollars on an artist to design the artwork and you know, that's about it. Right. Like, okay. So if it doesn't work, if I only get, and you know, if I'm only getting six or 700 downloads a month, I really don't care. Some that means six or 700 people are going, we really like this, you know? And I think it's interesting when we give ourselves the permission as grown adults, I hope you guys listen to that. <laughs> who don't need permission. <laughs> who don't need the permission per se <laughs> right. to just go do something. You know, yeah. and I, when I talked a couple of weeks ago at the talk that I gave at the end of the talk, I said, so some of you need to go on that trip you keep saying you're going to do. Some of you need to walk out of that job that's sucking the life out of you. Some of you need to leave that relationship that's no longer working. And all it takes is permission. That's all it takes. And I think most of us as adults, 
we still sometimes act like the little kid, like, can I have the cookie mom? Can I We're waiting for that right. permission? When well, there's nobody there to give it to you. Like you no. have to give it to yourself. No. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe if I spend too much money on some of this shit, my husband will be like, okay. <laughs> what are you doing? But, um, but that's you know. less permission giving than permission taking. I mean, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You take and ask forgiveness. I mean, like I think you, that's, uh, you, you really, it, it, you know, being embedded and around people who are in conventional, unimaginative lives. Mm-hmm. If, if you're trying to do something that is new and risk at any level, it'll be almost impossible. Yep. But if you're, if you're embedded in and around people who are creative and artists and who take risks and chances, whether that's in business mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever else, then, then you'll find it that much easier to do. Like that will be the permission you need. You know, you, you won't have to look for some guide or sage or something. You can find it in the group. You know, it's interesting. I think this is a good place to kind of bring this full circle. This year, I, I always start my year or my business year, so to speak. But, you know, I come into January going, okay, so where's the revenue going to come from this year? You know, I kind of look at the big picture like, okay, I've got coaching, I have speaking, I have podcasts, I have writing, you know, where, how do I want the year to look? And I also kind of think about, well, what am I going to invest in to keep those things afloat? Not just the day-to-day sort of stuff, but like, am I going to go to national speakers? Am I going to go to podcast movement? Am I going to go to this conference or that conference? What what am I going to do? And this year I struggled because I was like, you know what? I think I just need to work Mm -hmm. on and in my business. Yeah. And I started looking at national speakers and I looked at podcast movement and I looked at a couple others and I finally said, nope, you're going to eat your own dog food, Rick. You're going to give yourself permission to not go to any conferences whatsoever this year. Unless they're paying you to speak there. Well, yeah, that, <laughs> that's a whole different ballgame. Yes. No, yes. Anybody who's hiring speakers just acts right. what I just, I just said. Oh, you know, I wanted to clarify. Yeah, yeah. I'll be at those. No problem. You know, um, but it was really interesting to watch myself go through that and I started realizing yeah. wow yeah. I've been so and I'm not knocking any of them but I've been no, so right. used to just, here's what I do you just gotta chop wood yeah yeah in fact I remember when you and I ran into each other at NSA in Orlando and you actually weren't attending you were just having to be there and yeah. I was like oh that's interesting and then I thought why have I gotten in this pattern of I gotta go to this I gotta go to this I gotta go to this yeah. and I realized for me Part of that was, oh, if I do this, maybe that'll be the next thing that makes me go to the next level instead of let's go to this, see what I can learn. And does it take me where I need to go? Do I have intentional reasons for showing up and doing something? And that to me was like a big one for me giving myself permission because where I wanted to go this year was I wanted to be fully in my work to like re-engage this brand in a slightly different pivot, which is what I have done and I'm accomplishing right now without getting sidetracked by, okay, should I be speaking? Should I be doing this? And here's the truest confession of all. I've decided I really don't want to be a keynote speaker. I want to be a speaker who does these interactive facilitated workshops Oh, very cool! that aren't about PowerPoint and everything. They're about the experience. And yeah. I've already done a couple of them. One of one NSA guy actually hired me to do one with a group of his and we had great success with it. And that was a beautiful thing. If I had not given myself the space to think through this and have this, mm-hmm. and I love keynoting, it was great. And I won't, again, I will still do that. <laughs> if right, 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 right. But I know now what I really want to be doing. And I think that's where the permission and the realizing, wow, these things just, you kind of pivot and then you go do this other thing. And too yeah. many people are like, well, I need this, 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 and this in order to go do that pivot. No, you don't. 
Yeah. And if you think yeah, you think do, that, you're going to hold yourself back. You know, if you're like in the old, uh, in the, in the old X, Y axis chart thing, we think yep, about, yep. we think about trajectories as always being up and to the right. And that's yep. just like, if I, if I could do anything, if I could bring any knowledge from, from my field into the, into the world, it would be the, the research that shows that like, that's just a myth. Like the, mm-hmm. the idea that lives go perpetually up and to the right. And that sometimes in order to get further up, you have to go, you know, further down. Mm-hmm. is is the reality of it and, and that means sometimes taking taking a pause assessing like being more intentional mm-hmm. slowing down for a second you know cultivating a, spending time cultivating a community whatever it is like it doesn't yeah. it's not the next step might be incremental but you could take a pause and then make it exponentially mm-hmm. yeah. i'm making i'm making hand motions for your podcast i know i know you should see this he, he's really <laughs> doing this well i'm like i wish i had this on video i'd be like okay i know he's not gay but he's got the hand stuff down so there we go that's but because now, i teach i teach for a living well exactly you teach so you got to do that too but no right. i love that i love that correlation man well josh we've done it again second time we've done a podcast together man and i um, love it I love it too. And I love what you brought. I think this is a perfect, amazing conversation because I know there's so many guys out there that are hitting their stride in their forties. And then they're like, will I ever really get to go do that thing I want to do because they're stuck in that syndrome of, Oh, well, this is the path I chose. Right. You get to choose whatever path you choose. So uh, thanks again, man, for being here. And just because you brought up, what's the name of your podcast? I know there's going to be some guys who are in the business world who'd love to listen to it. So what's the name of it? The, the name of the podcast is The Bias Disruption, and we cover all kinds of lessons from social science as they apply to the day-to-day runnings of a large organization, nonprofit, for-profit, whatever. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So thanks again, bro, for being here. I so appreciate you, bro. Thank you. That's a wrap for 40 Plus. Real men, real talk. Where size doesn't matter. We drop our bullshit, get over our screwed-up fears, make bold moves, and live life without apologies. Don't forget to join us on Facebook at 40 Plus Real Men Real Talk, where the conversations continue.